the trucking industry could be in trouble. After two years of COVID-related havoc on global freight markets, volatility is declining. With recent data is showing the potential for an imminent, sharp, and painful downturn in the U.S. truckload market. Additionally, changes in consumer behavior fueled by inflationary headwinds are already causing downward pressure on freight volumes and spot market rates. Will this lead to major impacts on the U.S. trucking industry? Tune in to find out in this episode of Loaded and Rolling. This Loaded and Rolling episode was made possible by our sponsor, Emerge, focused on empowering and growing meaningful supply chain relationships. Emerge is proud to sponsor the Loaded and Rolling community. Through its freight procurement platform, Emerge offers solutions that enhance the spot and contract procurement processes, enabling shippers to make the most strategic decisions possible. Learn more at www.emergemarket.com. Joining us today to talk about recent troubling data for trucking is Craig Fuller, CEO and founder of FreightWaves. Craig published an article on Thursday about the potential for a trucking bloodbath, and he's joining us today to talk about it. Craig, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Now, to start things off, uh, you know, talking about this article, what did you see that got your attention about the situation? Well, we all know trucking is cyclical, and we all know that uh, the market has been incredibly uh, inflated in terms of high demand, uh, and just the conditions have felt unprecedentedly high. So we see it in rates, we see it in demand, uh, and we also have seen it in the data of new truck entrants into the market. And so all of those things have been, we've been watching the data and looking for whether or not the market was going to continue to grow or was going to turn over. Because the amount of fleets that are coming into the market are really at unprecedented levels. And we're talking the peak of new FMCSA registered fleets per month of being over 20,000, which is 2x the uh, largest ever back in 2019. And so when you think about the fact that that many trucks per month or that many fleets per month, 20,000 is double the largest number of fleets that have entered the market. Uh, and that has been going on for well over a year now. Uh, you look at some point the market getting top heavy. We also have heard a lot of an anecdotal uh, information about fleets entering the market. And many of those operators are underprepared for running a trucking company in a difficult market or one that has uh, is not as inflated as the one that we've been enjoying. So looking at this amount of free fleet growth, uh, we have the graphic as well that showed that there literally was a, a huge surge in uptick that came up there. Do you think that was almost the beginning of the turning point is this large amount of fleets entering in the market? Was that kind of the canary in the coal mine or were there any other factors that you saw? Well, ultimately, freight is all about supply and demand, and you really can't ignore the fact that uh, it's both sides of it. So oftentimes you'll hear people talk about supply or you'll hear them talk about demand, but they don't put the two together. So there's always a thesis of, hey, it's the amount of capacity that's been added. But if you're adding volume at the same time, that's OK. You can add capacity. But at some point, the, that balance between supply and demand, the number of trucks coming into the market, the number of fleets coming into the market, uh, can overcorrect 
and we start adding more fleets than we've added freight, which is what we're seeing right now. And so we've been watching the data since uh, really the fall of last year. And, and frankly, we've been watching the data. This is what we do at Freight Waves, but certainly been uh, cautiously uh, looking at the data since the fall, have seen signs of a slowdown. It wasn't apparent until really end of January that the market was had had peaked at least we believed it had peaked we looked at the tender rejection data and we saw that that was trending down and february is a tough market anyway so we sort of looked at it and said well let's monitor what's happening in february we got to march and normally march is one of the strongest months of the year it's the start of the produce season is the start of the spring shipping season if you think about retailers they have their gardening equipment and summer clothes and and they start to position for the summer construction sort of heats up there we didn't see march act like a normal march we saw the opposite we actually saw volume start to slow down and that continued and by the time we got to mid-march it was obvious that something was broken in the market and we've continued to see it come down since really the start of the year and for all of those reasons, and in addition to, you know, one of the benefits we have at Freightways is we have some of the greatest journalists in the freight market that are constantly looking at all these trends and, and uh, talking to people that are in the market. They're also hearing uh, a lot of people ask, what is going on? Is it soft? Are you seeing it soft? And telling us a lot of anecdotal information that when you start to look at the data, it just substantiates it. And it just says that something is broken in the market. And this could get ugly. And that's what you're, I'm thinking about. We, we recently had some journalists go to Matt's as well. You know, you go and you talk to people in the industry. Everyone feels like the party's still going. But basically what you're saying is for some of these pieces of data that you're looking at, uh, it's actually stopped. No one has just figured it out yet. Well, you, you have to remember that oftentimes the market, because it is so fragmented, and we're talking hundreds of thousands of trucking companies, and it's huge. I mean, we're talking... You sort of take the $800 billion number, uh, which is probably over $900 billion last year, just look at the volume of, of growth that we had last year. And you know it's a massive, massive industry. And it feels really strong right now because the, the way the market operates and the fact that it's much stronger than, than it has been in the past. But when you look at what we're seeing, these are early signs of a market correction or a market downturn. Now, I personally hope I'm wrong. Like, I would love nothing more than to be wrong about this. And I know there are a lot of people that will disagree with what we're seeing. But when you look at all of the signs, the market has peaked. And if it does not accelerate, if we do not see an increase in volume, then we're going to see a really, really bloody downturn for some of the fleet operators. And let me explain why. Is if the market's peaked, which is our thesis, is that it has peaked, then and capacity continues to come in the market, and we know that capacity is continuing to increase, and it always does when you sort of see the market peak, it takes a while for people to figure out in the market that it is actually corrected. It took last time back in 2019. The market peaked really in 2018. It was really September of 18. It was a year before we stopped seeing the top 
of the number, uh, the top part of the market in terms of new entrants into the market. It took a year for the market to pull back in terms of growth of new fleet counts. That's a long time. So these things take a long time to filter out. I remember back in late eight or mid 18, we started talking about the market peaking. There were a lot of people who disagreed with us, but we saw what happened in 2019. All of the companies that filed bankruptcy are just a reflection of something that's wrong. And I think there is a substantial risk that this could happen in this market again as well. And I think it's quite realistic that it will. And we're seeing the early warning signs, like you said, with the data. Uh, if we are going into it, you know, you've been in the industry quite a long time. You've seen the ups and downs. You've seen the cyclical cycle. Uh, for a lot of people who are, like you said, the inexperienced guys just coming in, what does the next part of this beginning of this correction look like? We see the warning signs in Q1. What do you feel like is going to happen next or what should we keep watching for as we move into Q2 and later in the year? Well, I've been in this industry literally my whole life. I was born in it. Uh, I'm 42 years old. And I would tell you, you know, being a, a son of a trucker and being a grandson of a trucker, you hear a lot about trucking. Those are the conversations. You know, my uncle, my dad, my grandfather, it's a family business. They all had separate companies at one point, uh, but they're all in it. And so trucking becomes the topic of conversations. And so uh, the thing that's consistent about what you'll hear, and it's interesting, um, if you go back to the 1960s, they still had cycles. There were freight cycles. And if you read some of these old newspaper articles, I subscribe to newspapers.com, which has historical archive of newspapers back to the, I think it's through the 1700s. You can read some of these old newspapers in the 1950s, even the 1930s, where people were talking about the same things that we're talking about now. The trucking cycle is consistently playing out and always does. It is nothing different about this cycle. If you sort of step away, there's nothing different about this cycle that would suggest that we will not have a correction. So you have to look at it, and, and this is even pre-deregulation. They were still having problems finding drivers. They were still having problems finding vault when the economy was soft. Uh, volume would, would impact the trucking companies. They still had problems with insurance and regulations and things that we all think about today that if you read the article, it would feel like it was written today. The same things that people were talking about in the 1960s and the 1950s, they're talking about today. The reality is trucking is one of the most cyclical markets on the planet. And because it is, it is always prone to overcorrecting either to the downside or to the upside. It just so happens that we've had one of the best freight markets. Actually, let me take that back. The best freight market in history and we are now seeing the market top. And what is happening is new entrants are coming into the market. The OEMs and the truck dealers are still seeing robust growth and robust amount of orders. And that will continue. But the market has peaked because we're seeing it in spot rates. We're seeing spot rates drop as much as 50 cents a mile in two months. We're seeing volume. Uh, start to, to really falter. And we're seeing a declining amount of volume in terms of, of uh, freight volume that's in the market. We're seeing tender rejections uh, go down. Trucking companies are accepting more freight than they've accepted in the past. And for all these reasons, uh, that just suggests that the market's a little top-heavy. And then when you look at the number of new truck entrants with the FMCSA registration, 
you can't help but wonder what is this going to look like when it does re- when volumes significantly slow down and capacities continue to come. And the problem with capacity is there's nothing to slow it down. Uh, you know, finding drivers is not a problem for a single owner operator. They don't have to deal with that. And so they will, the market is still supplying capacity at a time when it's not supplying volume. It's almost like you're, you're the, it can get too late. It's like a gold rush. And then by the time it happens, like with this market, which was crazy in terms of, like you said, unprecedented volumes, uh, capacity will keep adding it until it's way too late. Looking into, so if you're a carrier and you can see this is happening, you got the freight waves data, we're hearing the warning signs. Um, you know, how do you, what's the best move you can make uh, to try and adjust? Because these guys have gotten used to record amounts of revenue and expectations. Well, the biggest pressure is going to be in the spot market. And so the larger enterprise carriers, and people will call them mega fleets. I don't use that term. and I, I think oftentimes it's used as a, a demeaning term. I mean, no one's going to care if you hurt their feelings. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really describe what they do. These are enterprise class carriers. They're big carriers. And those enterprise carriers tend to operate the vast majority of their capacity in the contract market. And what that means is that a large percent of the freight that they haul is under a contracted relationship with a fixed rate. And so they're not out chasing the spot market. And in a market like we've seen over the last 12 months, frankly, if you were exposed to the spot market and you took the majority of freight to the spot market, you were actually doing much better than the quote-unquote mega fleets or the enterprise fleets. You were doing better. And I think that's where you tend to see the a lot of the new entrants enter the market is in the spot market. And that's where the pressure is going to show up first is we're going to see a situation where the spot market continues to struggle. We have uh, we'll continue to see spot rates fall down. And as those spot rates fall down, that just cuts the margin out of the carriers. They start to lose a lot of their operating margin, and they will continue to become more and more aggressive on rate. And it's just going to be basically a, a race to the bottom in some ways. And because of that, if you're a carrier and you've got capacity, you should be thinking about how do I handle the situation? So you're looking at spot rates at 330 a mile versus say a contract rate at $2 or 250 a mile, you may be saying in a normal market, I don't want to take contracted loads that feel to me like a significant discount. But if the market starts to slow down, and we believe it is, then you want to have freight that's contracted. You want to be in the routing guide because that guarantees you freight. You can no longer depend on the spot market for the loads that are available to you. Is You don't want to be chasing spot freight because it won't have the same rate that you're used to and you can't guarantee that the loads are going to be there whereas dedicated or contract freight uh tends to offer more consistency and more dependability and so you should position your fleet into the contract market and try to lock in some of those rates that your shippers have been asking you to uh take and I kind of, I like the flying background and the analogy I'm thinking of, we're seeing right now that it's stalling out. And if your aircraft is ever stalling out, the only real way to gain control is you got to nose it down and get a little bit more lift. From my experience, you got to increase the airspeed, right? Thomas? Gotta increase like, airspeed. I like, I like the airplane analogies. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a proud pilot, but that's right. Is the only way to prevent a stall is to increase the airspeed. And the best way to increase airspeed is to put the nose down so that 
you you know gravity takes over and what we're talking about here is uh getting into better winds and getting into more consistent winds that are more dependable you know the thing is for a pilot using the pilot analogy is the worst time to fly is when it's incredibly windy it's bumpy you know that not only is uncomfortable for the passengers but it, frankly it's uncomfortable for a pilot i mean i went up flying yesterday in my small single engine and here in Chattanooga, the winds were as, you know, we had uh, a gust that were as high as 25, 30 miles per hour. And so while you had, if you have high winds, but they're not gusty, you can fly in that. But when you have high winds that are gusty, where it's inconsistent, it's a really uncomfortable ride. It's not a lot of fun. And frankly, it's quite dangerous. And so as a pilot, you want to be where you have consistent winds, where you you know what those winds are, and it's not bumpy. And it's exactly what we're talking about in this market is you want to fly to quality, which means you want to find mar- uh, part of the market where you can have a, dis- a dependable amount of loads at a dependable price from shippers that you know are going to give you that freight. It's, it's smoother. You may not go to the altitudes you want, but at least you're not getting bumped around. And in terms of market volatility, you're not getting bumped around by rates and just getting destroyed if it goes below contract even for spot rates. That's right. And then you think about, we'll use another analogy of flying, is when I was flying into land in Murphy, North Carolina yesterday, when I was experiencing this bumpiness, I was very uncomfortable because where I was flying into was a higher elevation and there were mountains all around it. Now, if on a smooth day where the winds are not bumpy and it's not volatile, you can make that landing every single day. But when there's a lot of volatility, like we're seeing right now, those mountains that are around you uh, make it far more dangerous. And it's very similar in trucking is if rates are falling and they're inconsistent and volumes inconsistent, you want to be in a place that has smoother winds where you can fly consistent and land consistently and you don't want to be in higher elevation. So you want to be in a place where you know that you can run your trucking company no matter what happens. And if you're entirely dependent upon the spot market, that puts you in a really dangerous position. Completely. And I'm, I'm kind of curious as well. You know, we know it's going down and we see the movement. Is there anything that can help pull us out or buffet us up? You know, given inflation going down, maybe consumer confidence going up. Is this something that can be avoided or are we is the data already showing that like it's a little too late to pull up? I mean, I don't see any signs that inflation is going to slow down anytime soon. It doesn't appear to be any reason to believe that, you know, we haven't seen the worst of the Ukraine, uh, Ukraine, Russia war in terms of inflationary issues. I mean, if you think about when they went to war was late February and March. Uh, we haven't seen the growing season. The Ukraine is not going to have a growing season. Uh, and and so a lot of what you see typically around uh, food is we start to see that stuff happen in the summer and happen in the fall, uh, in the early fall. And so that's where you tend to see a high demand for freight movement related to grains. We're not going to see that this year. And so we haven't really seen the volatility. We haven't seen the Russian oil market as, you know, as many as five million barrels a day pulled off the market. That is the largest amount of uh, uh, oil pulled off the global market in history at one time. And because of that, that we just haven't priced all that in. That's not all sort of factored into the prices. And, and uh, because these are high upstream, a lot of what's being disrupted in that war tend to be way upstream items. You know, we're talking about grains and we're talking about commodities like oil and energy and, and other types of commodities 
a lot of that takes months to really flow through the economy before we uh, see the impact of price increases in the finished goods. And we just haven't seen it played out. So there's nothing to suggest that inflation is going to tame and inflation is going to slow down. And because of it, you had this really uh, uncomfortable market where you have inflation coming, you have higher interest rates, you have all these pressures on your business that are and the entire economy that are putting a lot of pressure on you and you have slowing volumes and that is not a an, uh, that is not a comfortable place to be as a business owner you want to be in a place where you can ride out the storm and deal with these uh, insig- these significant headwinds uh, that are are facing you because if you don't your business may be one we write about on freightways unfortunately and we don't want to write about you we don't want to have you on the cover of freightways Unless it's good news, we, we certainly don't want it to be a part of our bankruptcy coverage. And, and you talk about declining volumes. Uh, I did some experience in enterprise carriers as well. And the mix of customers, we're talking about as we see these volumes go down. Uh, have you noticed anything in particular from speaking or maybe the data? Is this all across the board? Or do you think this may impact some customers much heavier than others? You know, maybe a Home Depot versus a P&G versus a Walmart. You know, it, what is it kind of looking like right now from how you're seeing it? Yeah, I mean, look, I think in always in these markets, the consumer staples, the consumer packaged goods tended to are far more stable and predictable and tend to have much more consistent volumes that are year round. There's a little bit of sub cycles that happen. But for the most part, people that are buying bleach are buying a certain amount of bleach every single week. And a company like Clorox has very consistent cycles where there isn't a lot of volatility. You end up in seasonal items that are, are certainly uh, going to be subject to just seasonality, and you end up in items that may be tied to the economy. When you get into discretionary consumer spending, and these are things like appliances uh, that maybe somebody's going to hold out, or a TV, or an electronics, they tend to be a bit more discretionary. And because they're more discretionary, clothing's a good example of that as well. Because they're more discretionary, those tend to be the things that consumers start start to are start to pull back first. And so the items that you want to be in the market really hauling when the economy starts to slow down and you want exposure to are the types of items that people need every single day. So these are the consumer staples, the Coroxes and the Procter and Gambles and the Unilevers and the Nestles. Think about things we eat that are not seasonal and things that we buy that are not impacted to by the economy. These are consumer staples. The dollar stores do exceptionally well in these markets because when the market is really, really soft, people tend to be far more penny conscious, particularly with high inflation, and they will go to somebody like Dollar General uh, to buy their items because they're priced cheaper typically than what you see at other stores. And so we would expect that if this continues and if volumes continue to falter, that it's those consumer staples, it's those consistent volumes that are going to be there. One thing we are noting that uh, noticing in the data that's a little bit unusual about this cycle is the flatbed market appears to be doing really well. And that should be expected. Construction is, has, has done well. Energy drives a lot of the flatbed market. Just think about all the sort of piping and industrial items that we we haul for our energy supply. That tends to do well. It also does well for construction. So flatbed is actually 
sort of a, a, a really safe haven right now in the, in the freight market that probably won't experience a downturn. You know, U.S. energy production, whether it's just because of high prices or because of geopolitical reasons due to just national security, is going to do much better over the next decade than uh, the, some of the other uh, parts of the world in terms of energy production. And there is a shift now in Washington of being pro-energy development uh, and infrastructure here in the United States versus globally, which over the last couple of years has not been the case. And so because of that, I think flatbed is a really strong part of the market and should do much better than, the, than some of the broader parts of the trucking market. I want to make one more thing clear is you, you can have a freight recession and not have a GDP recession, which means you can have freight slow down in terms of volume and not have a situation where the broader economists will say we're in a recession. And I think that's probably what we end up having is we have a consumer-led slowdown where discretionary spending on physical goods is going to slow down. And yet, because consumers are moving away from spending money on physical goods that they buy and they put into their closets and put in their homes into experiences like travel and entertainment and sporting events, because they're shifting the way they spend, us in the freight market are going to see, going to feel like the economy is really, really significantly slowing. But the broader economists are going to say it's not. And the reason that that is, is if you just go back to COVID, we saw this massive surge in demand that happened during COVID where people started buying physical goods and not spending the money on services or experiences. We're now going to get the opposite of that where experiences take over and physical goods are left behind. And because of that, we that sort of goes to what I'm saying is you can have a freight recession and not a GDP recession, which is probably what we're seeing. The great correction is coming. Thank you so much, Craig, for coming on. We're definitely going to check it out and check out your article as well. We'll get it linked up on the site for um, you know FreightWaves.com. But I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, we can check out LinkedIn, especially your Twitter, at Freight Alley. I check it every single day. Good source of news. And then looking forward to having you on again. Uh, that's it for today. I'm your host, Thomas Watson. Come join us next week as well. Mondays at 2.30. We'll do it live.